This is Ron Friends, comics illustrator, and this is a bumper for the amazing Spider Talk. Too many who know the angles, uncover and untangle all the questions and the webs left out to tangle. I'll be in 1962 last Wednesday's afternoon. They'll bend your ears with reckless self-abandoned The Amazing Spider-Talk The Amazing Spider-Talk Come swing through the air Sit back and prepare For the Amazing Spider-Talk Hello and welcome to The Amazing Spider Talk. My name is Dan Gavazdan and I'm the founder and editor of SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. Thanks for joining me for a special episode of the show. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that it provides an intelligent conversation between two fans and collectors as we hope to look at the Spider-Man comic universe in a bit of a bigger picture. Yes, for this episode I'm all alone again because I'll be traveling for the next week or so and Mark and I weren't able to record. So I thought this would be a fun time to give you, our faithful listeners and true believers, a sneak peek at some of the amazing content we're doing as part of our Patreon page, also known as the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. As you may know, about every other week, Mark and I will record an additional episode that's only available to the patrons that support us on our Patreon page. These are our members-only episodes, and they range in content from our thoughts on the Daredevil television show to our thoughts on trailers for upcoming Marvel movies, and even additional interviews with guests or content that didn't make it into the main show. Basically, if you want more Amazing Spider Talk, but with a less rigid format, the members-only episodes are for you. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to one of these episodes now. This particular episode, the second members-only episode, was recorded after our Essentials episode with Alan Shurstall, film editor of the prestigious New York newspaper The Village Voice. Alan joined us to talk about All My Past Remembered, but we wanted to learn more about the famous front-page interview that he did with Dan Slott around the time that Superior started. I think you guys are really going to like this members-only extra. Walk a little prouder, be an innovator, laugh a little louder, go for every trader, we can show you how to, and when will you be then? You'll belong, you'll belong, you'll belong, you'll belong to the very marble marching society. March along, march along, march along to the song of the Mary Marble Marching Society. Thank you, Patreon members, for joining us for another special members-only episode of The Amazing Spider Talk. I'm joined today by my co-host, Mark Giannacchio. Wow, I never actually heard you say my name in an intro. Like, it feels kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, I'm stealing your thunder, and we have a special guest today. Introduce yourself, special guest. Oh, hey, this is Alan again from the regular episode and from uh, The Village Voice and L.A. Weekly and all those places. So, Alan, I thought we'd have you on today to talk about, and and correct me if I'm wrong, your front page interview uh, of Dan Slott right before the Superior era uh, for The Village Voice. Is that correct? 
Yeah, and uh, in January 2013, we got Spider-Man onto the cover of the Village Voice. I was I was very proud of this, and uh, this is the second time actually he's been on. I have hanging in my apartment the giant broadsheet uh, cover from the April 1st, 1965 issue, where there's not a picture, but there is a there's a tease of a head there's a headline tease that says a Spider-Man in Forest Hills, and Spider-Man is all one word, you know, like the last name Spider-Man, and. <laughs> Uh, you know, and I've, I've read the article. I've got, I had to go into our archives to find it. But, you know, it's the first time the Village Voice ever wrote about Spider-Man, and it's one of those great early reports on on hey, this comic company called Marvel is doing these characters with real problems and hangups, and it's really interesting. Uh, so the second time Spider-Man's been on the cover of the Village Voice, we actually had his picture. He was crying a big white tear. It was a really striking image that uh, an artist we hired came up with, and it was my interview with Dan Slott about. The, the death of Spider-Man right before Superior. What was that issue? 600, 700? I can't keep them straight at this point. Except where he gets uh, killed by Dr. Octopus in Columbus Circle and body swap, you know, the, the whole bit, the whole bit. And, you know, what my piece was, it was really an excuse for me to interview Dan Slott. I really, really wanted to, especially at, at that point, because he was writing high, the book was writing high, and uh, I was more excited about uh, Spider-Man, the character, probably than I'd been since uh, the early JMS run. Uh, but, you know, the impetus, what, what, in, what interested my editors was, you know, the the conflict that was then raging and has died down some since then between, you know, slot and his fan base, you know, just like the idea of like nerd fights against the creators and the people who handle the properties they love is always, always interesting. And I thought that was an especially uh, pregnant one. And so I sold my editor on it. I sold Marvel on it and Dan slot and I sat down for what was supposed to be a half hour interview at a La Pan quotidian in Midtown and, and I think we didn't wrap up for two hours. That sounds like Dan Slott. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> although, although we wouldn't know. That's true. I, I, Alan, I do want to interject that, that that cover of that story you're talking about the, is actually dec- decorates my cubicle at work. So, uh, in, Oh, great. Uh, I'm glad to hear. Isn't it a great cover? It's a great cover, and it was a great article, too. So, uh, you know, well, I'm, ha- I, I'm, I'm happy to hear more behind the scenes to it, though. You know, we were, I was, what really excited me was, you know, that cover is so good. And uh, the cover text on it says, uh, has Spidey left in, Spidey leaves NYC forever? That the producers uh, from Sony of the, of the Amazing Spider-Man films uh, contacted us be- well before the second film was coming out. And they asked if they could get like 10 copies of it. You know, the production company wanted it thinking we're thinking oh great they might be in the movie they they do that sometimes they contact the newspaper and ask can we get some copies of your of your paper you know for set dressing and then we're all touched when we're on tv it's not like you know there's any money exchanged or anything like that it's just you know to capture authentic new york detail and you know in every spider-man movie there will be a sad montage where new york wonders has spidey left forever So I was expecting it to show up, but it did not. Uh, I bet Raimi would have worked it in, though. Uh, Sony was too busy working in Sony logos. Have you noticed? I mean, that's the great mystery of the Sony Spider-Man movies, which is how did Sony get its logo on every screen in that entire universe? Or, like, or who uses Bing to search? 
Spidey uses being searched. <laughs> but these are not the kind of things I talk to with uh, Dan Slott about. He is, a, as you've probably heard, and I'm sorry you guys have not had the chance to to interview him yourself, uh, and, and I'd like to ask you about that, by the way. Uh, he is like a rip-roaring, very excited conversationalist who is so into this character, like at the level of any fan I have ever met. I mean, you can tell from – especially from you know his earliest issues that he wrote, uh, like the She-Hulk series or the Spider-Man Human Torch series, that he is a fan first and above all else. And that comes through when you talk to him. And so I met him – at, right before Superior started coming out, not long after. I don't remember if the Spider-Man death issue had come out yet. So I don't think he had any idea you know, that this was going to be uh, the hit that it was going to be. And he laid out for me pretty much the entire arc of the series. Uh, and I think that they added a bunch of like with the Goblin Nation and things like that. The but story... He had those beats, and you can probably get this from his Twitter or when you see him interviewed at, like, Newsarama or someplace or Comic Book Resources, uh, which is that he loves the big surprises. He loves the big plot twists, and he invests himself in them uh, with an excitement that, that really surprised me. Like, when I read, you know, an old Stan Lee issue, I you never feel like Stan Lee is thinking, oh, this'll get him, you know, or, oh, man, they're not going to believe this. You know, Stan's, like, hyping it up to get us excited. But with Slot, like, when he was describing... No, it must have been before the issue came out, because he was describing to me how Spider-Man gets killed uh, in Columbus Circle, and everything going on with Peter's consciousness and how Peter lets it happen. And he walked me through each beat of it with this passion and excitement that honestly was more powerful than reading it on the page. Like seeing how much he was into it and hearing how he felt this would impact us uh, was still in. It's like Dan Slott should do like audiobook versions where he, you look at the art and he reads it to you <laughs> because he would really, really sell it. Uh, so no, I was really impressed with the guy. I thought, you know, he was obviously he's being interviewed by a journalist, so he's friendly as hell. But he just he knows the history. He loves the character and he wants to push the character in new and interesting directions. You know, and I kept pressing him on, you know, the animus that he has uh, had received from a lot of the fan press, uh, a lot of, you know, online commenters and all that. And. It did seem to me that that stuff gets to him, uh, but that he's so of that world that he understands it, and he's so of that world that he can't resist fighting back, you know, when really he should just not. <laughs> when really he should just <laughs> let it go, don't don't listen to him, continue tweeting out against – continue tweeting out his pro-gun control thoughts. I'm with you, Dan. Go for it. You're a small <laughs> champ. Don't, don't let these guys bring you down. Uh, and so, you know, and obviously at that time when I really felt like he was doing, he, I, I mean, I felt like Dan Slott and the big time crew, uh, and the, what, what was it called right after, right after, uh, the marriage was dissolved? What did they call that? Brand new, that day. brand new day. Brand new day. And the brand new crew. I really thought they were doing not, not month in, month out. It wasn't always top of the line, but I thought they were doing the most solid, exciting Spider-Man stories that really I'd seen on any consistent basis since, 
uh, maybe DiMatteis' run on Spectacular? Yeah, I think we're in lockstep agreement with you there. Both Mark and I are on the record for really liking Brand New Day. Although yeah, I mean, it's the lowest the sales have ever been on the book. Yeah, and that astonishes me. But I, I think I think you know, Slot and uh, and Wacker and that whole crew were may, maybe not uh, maybe not Gale, but you know they were doing mm. extraordinary work that I wish more people had read. And there was such pushback against what they were doing from the fan community. I mean, really, that's how I started listening to you guys. Was you guys were just about one of the only voices out there in the kind of fan press that was taking what slot was doing with any seriousness and was recognizing in it what what I recognized in it which is that you know we can't you can't get from any iteration of Spider-Man every single thing you love about Spider-Man you know that's just not going to happen but slot and whacker and all of that crew were putting in more of the things I love about Spider-Man than anybody else had in a long time yeah uh, no disagreement here. It's <laughs> kind of my, my theory about why a lot of the film adaptations are so unsatisfying or something like, you know, Marvel's Daredevil series on Netflix. Uh, I didn't like the first season of Daredevil so much because they were they took each layer, each crazy layer of Daredevil that had accumulated over 50 years of continuity. They took each layer very seriously and painstakingly put them all on top of each other. So you get, you know, not just the blind lawyer superhero. You get the like noir film son of a boxer. You you get you know the the ninja stuff. You get all this stuff, and it just it's like when the you tortured have, Irish guilt and yeah, or yeah, Irish Catholic Catholicism. It, it's yeah. it's it's like too much to take in at one time, and it's like any individual run of any of these heroes, you know, includes like three fifths of the key elements, and so that's what's interesting to me about what slot is doing now he's stripped away more of those elements than i ever thought he would you know in this uh international playboy spider-man tony stark run and you know i'm kind of with you guys where i'm not i i'm I, I trust him enough to stick with it but i'm also not really feeling it week in week out yeah i mean i'm interested to see where it goes but it's it's so foreign to me like like you said every, i i, I I'm grasping for any familiarity that I can find in the character. Yeah, I think, and I think the one issue that I actually liked the most in, in this new run was actually the one that I like. I, I think a lot of the um, anti-slot people that are out there like the least, which was the Human Torch issue. Oh, that one like, was a lot a, of fun. Because yeah, because I felt like that was like something very familiar, but you know, every. You know, all the other reviews I read were kind of hung up on, why does Spider-Man have the Baxter building and what are they fighting about? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> I'm backing off. <laughs> Mark, what are you what are you doing reading comic book criticism? What a mistake I, you've made. I know. I know right? <laughs> there, there's a lot. There's, there's a lot of good stuff out there. There's a lot of good writing about it out there, and I always, always enjoy that that passion. But you know, as as I you know as have we mentioned that I'm the film editor at The Voice, you know, in this discussion? Uh, you know, I've what we're going through right now, you know, with Batman versus Superman is, you know, people who have not seen the movie yet at the time of this recording, accusing our critic, just like they're doing other critics, of being paid off by Marvel to pan uh, a DC movie. And, you know, people's th that they're so ferociously devoted 
to these characters that they, they have a hard time sometimes believing anybody else could earnestly disagree with them about an interpretation of those characters or about the quality of a story. I, I find that kind of fascinating. I find it a little bit like, you know, the, the, the Trump voters in my family who just cannot believe that the guy who punches somebody to Trump rally is not a plant. And they insist it's got to be a plant. <laughs> I mean, one of the things that drives me – not to get on a crazy different subject. One of the things that drives me nuts about fan criticism, and I say this as a person who runs a fan site with fan criticism on it, is the ascribing of motives to everybody in every corner of mm-hmm. comics as if these people had so much time in their day to cook up these – schemes about how they're going to dupe the readers into you know like remaking the character that'll never be the same again it's i find it so frustrating uh for, for especially for a medium that should be about change and about new ideas you know that people are so resistant to it that they have to create this fantasy motive that these people have that that always strikes me as an absolutely fascinating dichotomy. There are so many hundreds of stories about each of these characters that reflect the el- the combination of elements that you might like. When we're going through a patch where the stories do not reflect those elements that you might <laughs> that you might prefer, there's going to be another. <laughs> you know, there's going to be another a year from now. Uh, I, I mean, I was astonished when I wrote that piece that, you know, some of the emails I got from people saying, how, how could Dan Slott kill Peter Parker? And it's just, guys, you know, you were wrong. You know, I, I don't want to email all the people who emailed us about Man of Steel, the movie, before it before it actually opened, accusing us of, <laughs> of being, you know, taking payment from Marvel or, you know, all the, I'm tired of so-called critics who are biased. They never spell out biased. They always just write bias. I, I kind of want to email them and say, hey, was that movie as great as you knew it was going to be? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I don't want to just complain about fans. I mean, that that's, that that is like low-hanging fruit and it's cheap. And I find that a lot of times when people complain about fans, they're, they're, they're using straw as like the worst straw man arguments that, you know, a lot of the worst of the fan press might use. And I do want to say, though, that my theory as to why Dan Slott has not come onto your show, despite the incredible roster of luminaries you've had on, and I can't tell you how much I treasure every time uh, Ron Friends does your bumper and even says, this is Ron Friends doing a bumper for Amazing <laughs> That is the most metafictional, mind-blowing hilariousness I can imagine. And that reminds me of the Great Simpsons episode where, where Bart is looking through like uh, series six of the Krusty the Clown trading cards, and one of them just says, Krusty poses for trading cards. <laughs> uh, but I would expect that, I mean, I would, I just kind of suspect that maybe the reason you've not been able to land slot, you know, he obviously he's very busy, but is just that. He's been ambushed by the fan press so many times, and even though you guys are smart and supportive, and I'm sure he's heard your show, uh, I just would expect that he might be leery about that. Perhaps. Oh, I, I mean, Mark, I, you can illuminate your dealings with him if you want. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I've reached out to him a bunch. I mean, there was one year where I actually kind of engaged him um, before 
uh, New York Comic Con, which I was attending as press. Um, and, you know, I was even under the impression that although time would be tight, I might be able to like sneak like a, you know, like 10 minutes as he was like kind of mm-hmm. walking from, you know, a sign, a signing to a panel kind of a thing. And when I, I caught up to him at the panel, like I, you know, like we had kind of chatted about, like all of a sudden he was like, who are you? What is this? And I was like, oh, okay. And that, I mean, and yeah. I remember Dan getting that e- I email Dan about it and Dan was just kind of like, all right, well, because I was like hot about it because I was like, what the hell is this? You know, like, you know, yeah, we, we had this conversation beforehand. And so, but I also, I, you know, just to, to your point, Alan, I had a conversation with him at a signing, uh, before that. This was actually, um, when Superior One had come out and, you know, this was, my first time meeting him in any capacity and, you know, I gave him my, my comic design and stuff. I said, Dan, I, I don't, my, my name is Mark Giannacchio. I write the Chasing Amazing blog. And he's like, and he, you know, and he kind of paused for a second. Then he like, and there was like a look of recognition. I was like, yeah, he's like, oh yeah, you, you're the collector who wants all the Spider-Man. I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, oh cool. yeah, those are some, those are some great posts. He's like, you know, you do take some shots at me sometimes though. And I was even, and I, and I, and I even said to him point blank, I said, I'm not half as bad as what the others are doing. Come on. Exactly. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. But I, but I, I do think there's this element of like, you know, fan critic, internet, fan site, you know, like, you know, like, can I trust you? You know, and, and, and I think that has a lot to do with it. I think exactly. And I would bet that the fan sites that he does interviews with, like Newsarama or places like that, probably have some ground rules in place. Oh, absolutely. You know, and when talking to us at The Voice, you know, not not the mainstream press, but somewhere near it, you know, we're, we're not, but certainly not the fan press, you know, there was nothing like that. But I also think he had every reason to trust that, you know, I'm here to talk about him and what he does and what it's like to be the guy who writes Spider-Man and what a thrill it is and, you know, what it's like to take these risks with the character, you know, in the face of howling inanity from angry dudes uh, right. that, you know, I'm not going to, you know, suddenly start hitting him with – but why why haven't you like done an issue that lets us know once and for all that sins past didn't happen right <laughs> <laughs> one of the things i'm most proud about our 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 show for is uh when we had jerry conway on to talk about spiral because mm-hmm. i think mark and i were both you know we were lukewarm on it yeah and and jerry's a friend of ours but we didn't fawn all over him when he came on the show but we also didn't like attack him about it while we are a fan site, I like to think that we kind of find a way into the middle of that. I was really impressed with how you guys handled uh, Conway, Spiral, and that interview because, you know, your criticisms of Spiral, you know, that ultimately it's it's a Wraith story and that the Wraith makes all the big decisions and Spidey's just kind of along for the ride. They they were bang on. I mean, I thought I, – I, I tend to mostly agree with you guys, but I thought you guys were absolutely accurate about that. But just as – you know, the way you treat slot, sometimes you'll joke about slot. You know, sometimes you seem to suffer a bit from slot fatigue, but you're never out for slot's scalp. You're never, you know, scoring comic points against the guy. Uh, I, I really appreciate that. And I think that, you know, Conway, who clearly listens, uh, you know, can appreciate that you guys are uh, being fair. 
Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, hi, I, I came on to your show. Here's some compliments. <laughs> oh, I will accept that. All right, Dan. Well, well, before we give our Patreon people too much uh, great stuff, why don't why don't we? Uh, <laughs> so generous of you, Mark. <laughs> well, you know, I'm 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 a benign dictator. <laughs> <laughs> Um, why don't why don't why don't why don't we uh, bring this little extra extra uh, session to to a close? Great. Well, thanks I'll, I'll for say, joining us. Can I say Alan? one last thing about sure. Slot? Oh, absolutely. He loves this character as much as you guys do, as much as anybody listening to, as much as anybody trapped in a crawl space does. Nothing. Hi, this is David Michelini, and I wrote Amazing Spider-Man. And you're listening to Amazing Spider Talk. Well, I hope you enjoyed that look into what it's like to interview Dan Slott. Not that I would know anything. And I hope you enjoyed some of the self-congratulatory talk about this very podcast. You know, we just have to do that. But, you know, it takes a lot of work to put together each episode of the show and all the content that we run at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. You know, we don't have ads on either. So the only thing that can keep everything up and running is your patronage through our Patreon page which I'm contracted to tell you is also known as the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. Remember, if you decide to join the club, not only do you get to listen to all the members-only episodes we've ever done, there's a whole catalog, you also gain access to another whole catalog of free digital codes to read just about every Spider-Man comic published over the past several years, and many more comics published by Marvel. We also do big giveaways. In fact, let's do one right now for a current member. So, uh, let me see. How do I get this drum roll thing going? Mark's not here, so I guess I just... All right, looks like I got it. And the winner is... Member Kevin Brown. Well, congratulations, Kevin. You'll be receiving a brand new hardcover mega-sized copy of the new Avengers Encyclopedia. So keep your eyes on the mail for that giant book. I think you're going to love it. If you want to be entered into these raffles... Listen to our members-only episodes, get free digital codes, t-shirts, coffee mugs, bumper stickers, stacks of comics, or even just the opportunity to boss Mark and I around and tell us what comic to review on the main podcast. Just head on over to SuperiorSpiderTalk.com and click on the link to the Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club. I have to say on a more personal note, uh, thanks to everybody who supports us now. Um, as some of you listeners may know, I've been pretty much unemployed for the past year, while I've looked for full-time work. I currently work at an unpaid internship, drive Uber, and write movie reviews, which are all great ways to make a living, but money is short. Working on this show and my site is a work of love, really, truly a passion of mine that I wanted to do for free, but with all the bills looming to keep the site up, the amount you've given really has helped me pay for the show to continue when it likely would have been canceled due to my limited funds and time. So thank you again. It means the world to me that you've decided to help me continue doing this because I guess it's thanks to you guys that I can continue with my passions and certainly Amazing Spider Talk and this, our website is my f biggest passion. Well, enough of that mumbo-jumbo. I, I wanted to give you guys a tease of our fourth members-only episode that Mark and I recorded right before Civil War II, the comic series, started several weeks back. Um, in this episode... Mark and I discuss our favorite Spider-Man appearances in Marvel events. And, you know, he appears in just about every event, so there's a good number of them. So I hope you enjoy it. Stand a little straighter, walk a little prouder, be an innovator, laugh a little louder, joke around. 
Hello, Patreon members. It's Dan here, back with uh, Mark to do one of our members-only episodes. So, yay! Thank you for supporting us. We're going to be talking about an extra special topic today. Mark, what is that topic? Yeah, that topic is Spider-Man in Marvel events. You know, those big, big crossover books that, you know, everyone says they're burned out on now. But uh, we get more and more of, um, you know, of course... Um, one of those big event books uh, is going to be the topic of our, our central episode next week. Um, but in, uh, in addition, it's also the topic of a major Marvel movie that's about to come out. And then, of course, uh, that same event is getting a sequel next month in Marvel, Secret War, uh, excuse me, Civil War II. Um, so we thought, hey, you know, in these crossover books, Spider-Man, sometimes he's a key character, sometimes not as much. Um, what about, what are some of the good moments of when he was a key character? Um, obviously civil war, he was a very key character. Um, and we'll save our discussion of that for, for our essential episode. But, um, Dan, do you want to, do you want to share first? You want me to go? What's, what's, uh, how do you want to do this? Well, I wanted to ask you first what your thoughts are about like Spider-Man, you know, how he's integrated into these events overall. Cause I always feel like I'm always buying these events to see what happens with him. And maybe that's because Civil War featured him so heavily. And they always are sure to put him front and center on the artwork. I mean, even with this Civil War II story, he's got his own miniseries. And he's right smack dab on the front of all those issues. And I feel like I've been let down more often than not, uh, you know, with these things. I remember I bought all of Fear itself to read Spider-Man. And I couldn't even tell you what he did, one thing he did in that story. Uh, yeah. how, how do you feel about buying these things? Do, what is your approach? Do you do you always dive into the Marvel events? You know, I, I, I as much as I complain about them, I, I guess I'm a total sucker. I mean, I've certainly bought the last few. See, the the most the second Secret Wars, the the Hickman, Rivik one. I mean, he didn't have a ton of FaceTime in that series, but you know what he did counted, and certainly the Miles Morales hamburger for Molecule Man saved the universe. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, that's a big deal. Uh, so, you know, bully for that. Um, you know, I'm thinking of some of the other ones more recently that, that he's factored into. He played a role obviously in AVX. Um, I, I bought original sin and there, I don't think there was anything on that one. And, and, and that I, I think what ends up happening and why we end up being disappointed is, is a lot of these event books inevitably become, like a, an Avengers X-Men kind of, you know, it's either, it's either one side or the other, or they're, they're fighting each other. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's, it's Spider-Man is, is, I mean, he's kind of an Avenger, but, but not really. Um, even when he was an Avenger, he still never felt like an Avenger. Um, and he's certainly not an X-Men. So he kind of just kind of gets stuck in the middle. Um, which is where which civil is, war places him. Yeah, uh, and that's probably where he's best. Although, um, you know, I gotta say, for my my personal favorite moment is actually comes at a point where I think Marvel was less obsessed with like Avengers and X Men, which is part of the reason why I think this is a series where Spider Man really got a chance to shine, which was the original Secret War, uh, Secret Wars. I almost called it Secret War. Well, there is Secret War. Let's not forget that book. <laughs> and Spider-Man does have a role in that one. But no, yeah, I'm talking about the 19, 
I'm talking about the 1984, yeah, 84 series um, by Jim Shooter and Mike Zeck, uh, kind of the, the 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 godfather of Marvel events here. Um, you know, it's basically, you know, we, we've heard all the criticisms. It's a toy book. It's just, you know, senseless, senseless fighting. Um, there's the obvious scene that I'm sure everyone remembers, which is Spider-Man getting the black suit. Um, which obviously was a big deal for the character and for the Marvel Universe. But my actual favorite moment with Spider-Man in this book, it comes in the third issue. And, like, you know, in in this book, the X-Men are kind of like this rogue faction. They're, you know, the, the, the heroes don't know if they can trust them. Um, and the villains want nothing to do with them. So, like, they're all kind of, like, isolated. And even Magneto is over there. And they're even like, but we don't like Magneto, but he's there. And Spider-Man, like, goes over to them to, like, first to kind of, like, make a little bit of peace. But, of course, like, they don't trust him. So Spider-Man single-handedly beats up, like, the entire X-Men team, which is just, like, so far-fetched. I mean, you know, um, the Comic Should Be Good blog has this feature um, called The Wrong Side, which is, like, looking at famous comic book battles where, like, the wrong person won. And this is like one of the, I think, earliest entries in it because it's so absurd for Spider-Man to like take out Cyclops and Nightcrawler and Colossus and Wolverine all by himself. But and he at does. the same time, and, you'll hear from a lot of people like they use this as justification for how powerful Spider-Man is instead of just being like, this is a weird fluke of a story. I know many people that like quote this to me all the time as, hey, Spider-Man is actually really powerful. He could beat up all of the X-Men. Yeah. And, and Fire I mean, Lord. And Fire Lord. The, the, the 80s, uh, hell of a drug in the 80s, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you can, you can use these stories to justify just about anything, but, I mean, the fact of the matter is he shouldn't have been able to do it, but... I mean, come on. It's Spider-Man, like, outsmarting and outmaneuvering all of the X-Men. It's, you know, we, I, we, we, we clamor for these moments now where we feel like Spider-Man is constantly being made to look like a chump. Uh, and and it's, it's, like, it, it, it's not even like, oh, Spider-Man against the odds, overcoming the odds. Like, he just dominates them. Um, so... You know what? Like, let me be a fanboy and 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 be one of those people that holds on to this moment for life. Dan, Dan, what's your favorite uh, event moment? Mine is not too far removed from that, although it's not certainly him taking on the whole X-Men team. Although he does take on characters from the X-Men who are powered uh, to the level of gods uh, with the Phoenix Force in them. And that's during AVX by Jason Aaron, where... Spider-Man, you know, Colossus, I think it's Colossus and, like, Magic, and uh, I'm forgetting who the other person is. There's these three powerful titans, and in order to save uh, his fellow team members, Spider-Man stays behind to fight off these super-powered characters that he has no chance in hell of beating. Um, And it is brutal. I mean, Spider-Man takes a real beating, but to me, it's on the level of, like, Spider-Man, you know, fighting Fire Lord or or lifting that weight off of him. He just knows that for the better, he has to just suck it up and take the beating in order to save the day. And um, it's a real, he's a real non-entity in that story until this moment where he kind of stands out as like 
one of the best moments of the series and a real like you know champion uh, of that book. So I think that's what issue issue eight or nine of that series uh, where he does that. Um. Yeah, I, it's one or the other. I forget. I wrote about it in my uh, Spider-Man X-Men story countdown a few months ago. Uh, it's a great moment, Dan. I mean, that's 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 a phenomenal moment. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's like a classic Spider-Man overcoming the odds thing. I mean, he doesn't dominate it. That's for certain. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we even um, heard from uh, Jason Aaron about that. He tweeted at us and said, like, oh, yeah, that is one of my favorite moments that I've done as a writer for Marvel and and I think I think for good reason it, it was a powerful moment for the character and Jason Aaron's a, a writer that I love um and I don't love that story overall but uh you know I I think I think Jason Aaron has been a real uh, uh you know a great writer in the Marvel universe and certainly I'd love to see him tackle Spider-Man although I I'm not sure that's ever going to happen yeah Thanks for listening, everybody, and I hope you enjoyed those sneak peeks of our members-only episodes, and do consider becoming a part of our exclusive Friendly Neighborhood Spider Talk Members Club to help our show continue indefinitely. Like usual, Mark and I plan on returning next week with our discussion about Amazing Spider-Man number 15, but until then, you can find all of our new Amazing Spider Talk and Old Superior Spider Talk podcasts, all 120 of them, at superiorspidertalk.com. Or find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching Amazing Spider Talk. And if you do, please leave us a review. We love getting your reviews. Also, please be sure to check out The Ultimate Spin, our brother podcast that covers the stories of Miles Morales and Spider-Gwen Stacy. They'll likely have two podcasts coming out this week to cover the new issues of both books. we got an annual and a normal issue. So uh, keep your ears open for that. Of course, you can find me on Twitter at at SupSpiderTalk and read all of my writing at SuperiorSpiderTalk.com. So until next week, this is me reminding you that with great podcasts must also come Amazing Spider Talk.